thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing with our series that we're, we've called Up From The Grave. And really what we've done is when Jesus came out of the grave, when he was alive, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, what does that mean for your life? What does it mean for you? And for you moms today, what does the resurrection power of Jesus mean in your life? For you dads, what does it mean in your life? For you single men, what does it mean for your life? Single women, what does it mean in your life? What does it mean for this resurrection power of Jesus that we have, we've heard of, we know he rose from the dead, we know he died on a cross, but did, did it just, didn't it just stop there? Wasn't it just for our salvation? And the answer to that is no. The whole work of Jesus Christ is something that can live in you today, the power of his resurrection. Scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Those who call on the name of the Lord, those who call themselves Christians and follow his teaching, that same power that raised him from the dead lives in you. What does that mean? What does that mean in our life? And that's what the series was about and what we're going to continue with today. We've called Up From The Grave. One of our key verses that we've been looking at out of, for this um, series is out of Revelation chapter 1. And it's Jesus speaking. And he says, as I am he who lives. I love that. I mean, I mean he's, like, he's like speaking. He's standing. He's the only one in the, on the stage. I am he who lives. I was dead, but not no more. And behold, everyone say behold. In other words, listen up. Listen to what I'm about to say. I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. I have the keys of hell and I have the keys of death. So the resurrection of Jesus in your life, what it means to you, what does it mean? It's this reality that whatever hell you're going through, because all of us are going to go through one at some point in our life, Whatever hell you're going through today, Jesus holds the key to meet you, to unlock peace in the midst of your storm, to touch you, and to bring encouragement to you no matter what you're going through. He holds the key to your hell. Everyone say amen. Amen. I like amens. They're just fun for me. He also holds the key to death. Anything in your life that's dying, anything in your life that you thought it's over, Anything in your life that you thought, I, I've, I've gone too far, I've, I've, I've stepped over the line, or this relationship is just it's broken down, or whatever it is, whatever it is in your life that God wants to live, he holds the key to bringing it back to life again. Everyone say amen. amen. All right, I won't ask you to do that anymore, but that was fun. I might ask you, actually. But it's the whole understanding that Jesus died and rose from the dead so that his power can live in your everyday life. I want to read to you guys an email that I received this week about a precious mama who was believing that out of this series God had prompted her to believe for something. And I want you to hear what God did in her life just as a testimony. The email says this, hi Pastor Jason, this is an incredible miracle the Lord did after your after your message, where we ask God to resurrect something in our life. Since about 2009, my oldest son and I have 
not had a relationship. He always came to family events but barely acknowledged my presence. My text history under his number was blank. He never asked how I was doing or even how I was doing on my own or if I ever needed help. It was his wife or his children that I would get assistance from. I had deep pain over this, but I was eventually able to submit it to the Lord. I actually put this request for restoration when I was in Jerusalem in the Western Wall and prayed that God would restore this back in 2013. I've been claiming that one day he would ring my doorbell and have a cup of coffee with me. Naturally, when we wrote down something that needed to be resurrected, I wrote down the relationship of my son. And I did that on Sunday. On Monday morning, I was led to call him after hearing he was having some serious problems. Instead of the rejection I always received back from him, he was at my door in five minutes. He told me he was sorry for not being a good son. And we cried together, we forgave each other, and we embraced. My prodigal returned. God's resurrection power. What an amazing thing it is. What does the resurrection power look like in your life? What do you believe in God to raise from the dead in your life? What do you believe in him to give you comfort for in the midst of your hell? And we're going to be looking at the resurrection power of Jesus, but specifically today, this area of your soul. What does it look like for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to resurrect your soul again? To bring areas of your soul back to life that are hurting, that are broken. Have you ever taken a soul assessment? Have you ever sat down and said, you know, God, I just feel like my soul is damaged. Well, David writes in Psalm 23 about his soul. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to be talking about this idea today. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And say this with me, he restores my soul. In other words, David's soul was damaged. It needed some restoration. And when I hear this of David talking about the shepherd of God, this is before Jesus had walked the earth, but, but he saw the father as his shepherd as well. And he is today. When I hear these words, I'm reminded of the words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 10. He said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And what I'm wanting to tie in today is that the resurrection of Jesus was about him laying down his life so that he could be the good shepherd and so that he could restore your soul. This whole idea of a shepherd, I don't know if, if you've ever looked at shepherds or studied shepherds, but what a shepherd does, the shepherd protects the sheep, but the shepherd also goes to places to make sure those places are safe or prepares those places for the sheep to go. And that's what this whole idea of that David's talking about, that Jesus is the shepherd. In other words, he leads us to a place he's already been to. He leads us to the place where our souls can be restored because Jesus paid the price and went to the place, the dark place of a broken soul. And he redeemed it and he came back to life again. 
And the benefit of the resurrection of Jesus to us is about Jesus leading us to the place we all desperately need, we all desperately want. It's about knowing that Jesus has already gone to a place that you want to be. He's already paid the price for you to have a resurrected soul in your life. He has already cleared the way, and we need to walk in it. He holds the keys to your peace today. He holds the keys to your soul today. And as I was studying this, I was reminded when I was in high school, I worked at a horse campground. And what my job was, was to clear the brush and the trees and to make campsites so that other trailers can come in and park and they rode horses in, in the Shawnee National Forest. And it was, it was a lot of hard work. But my job was to clear the brush, to clear the stickers, to clear the trees for the new, new campsites. I had to deal with snakes. And I hate snakes. I hate them. I think they're all demon-possessed. That's just what I think. I had a friend tell me, what do you, no, those snakes are good. They keep rats away. And I was like, you mean this one? You know, was, I hate snakes. I had to deal with them. One time, I, I, because I was, a, I was in high school and not very smart, I'm not saying you guys aren't smart. I'm just saying I've, I've learned. Um, I would weed eat, so I'd clear out all the brush, I'd clear out all the trees, and then I'd have to weed eat all of the, all of the vegetation in there. And so it was summertime, I had my shirt off, and, and, I, and I was weed eating poison ivy. I didn't realize it. And so I went home that night, and I had the most interesting things show up, like, all over me. I was in pain. It was difficult. Everyone's laughing. I don't know if it's because you got a mental picture with my shirt off or something else. I don't know what it is. But my job was to do something and to clear the way so that other people can enjoy that spot, that location. I don't know if this has, I'm, I don't know if this has, this has anything to do with the work of Jesus, but I'm just telling you this story. They didn't have to do the work. They didn't have to suffer. They didn't have to get the poison ivy that I got. They didn't have to get the, the, the bloody arms and the ripped up. I did it for them. Now, this is obviously not what Jesus has done, but he's gone before us. He's prepared the way for us to rest. In the midst of Psalm 23, it says that he prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. In other words, he clears out everything that could be harming or damaging to us. He clears it out so we can find rest in the midst of our pain. And the resurrection of Jesus was all about him making a way for us to be restored back to God. Our souls to be restored. And Jesus wants your soul today, I want you to hear me, to be restored, refreshed, and renewed. Jesus rose from the dead to resurrect your soul. This isn't just about salvation. This is about him, you walking in wholeness and healing and peace and life. This is what the resurrection of Jesus was about. So what is your soul? What is it that makes up our soul? And I, I would say the soul is the part of you that does three things. It thinks, it chooses, and it feels. This is the part of your soul that thinks, it, it, it processes in our heads. Your choices, in other words, your will and your, your decisions to, to go certain ways and to do certain things and the way that you feel. And I think everybody in this room would know that these three areas of your life are affected by life a lot, aren't they? They're affected by people. 
They're affected by choices. They're affected by circumstances. And so you, you can be thinking right, choosing right, and feeling right, and then something happens in your life, and all of a sudden you, stop, you start thinking through areas of pain. You start thinking through areas of disappointment. Then you start making decisions or the acts of your will begin to, to lean towards places to maybe to avoid that pain which has happened to you or the disappointment or, or an expectation that wasn't met. And our emotions are all over the place and it's so hard to discern the voice and the will of God when our emotions are like supercharged and flying up and down and around and all over the place. And our souls can be damaged where we don't think properly, we don't choose properly, and we don't feel properly. And this is why David said God restores his soul because our souls can be damaged. And there are many ways that this damage can happen. And I just want to briefly look at three of probably the, the most significant ones in our life. I know there are many ways that our souls can be damaged and the things in our life that can affect the way we, we think, the way we feel, and the, the, what we choose. But the first one is probably this that affects and damages our soul a lot is this area of guilt. This area, these are the things that you've done against others or you've done against God. It's guilt that you carry. The guilt that you hold. The guilt that, that, that just that you wake up in the morning and it's on your chest. You go to bed at night and it's on your chest. This guilt can wear and damage your soul as you carry it. David said this in Psalm 38. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'd be willing to say, I bet there were many of you here who can relate to what David's saying. A choice, a decision, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life that you, that you kind of turned away. So I, that, that doesn't matter. All of a sudden, the guilt hits you like a big weight. He says this, I'm bowed down and I'm brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. Proverbs chapter 20 says this, the Lord gave us a mind and a conscience we cannot hide from ourselves. In other words, wherever you go, there you are. You can try to do things, you can try to cover it up, you can try to, to, to somehow get around your guilt, but wherever you go, your guilt remains. This can damage your soul. It can wear heavily on your soul. Did you know that you can be a Christian, be going to heaven, and have guilt of unconfessed sin in your life? That you can, you, you can make a decision, a compromise in your life. You're still saved. Jesus still redeemed you. But there's an area in your life that you just will not turn over to God. And you carry the guilt with you. That can damage your soul. But this is what we do with guilt. Maybe I'm the only one that does this, so I'll tell you my story, and then you can, you can say I agree with that or not. I think this, this is what we do with guilt. We try to minimize our guilt. In other words, we look around, we say, well, everyone else has done it, so therefore it's not that big of a deal. Or we try to rationalize our guilt, which is another way. We actually try to rationalize why, why we did something, why we reacted a certain way, that why did we make that choice, why did we allow our, our mind and our heart to go that, that direction. And actually what rationalizing really is, is we try to tell our head something's not wrong while our heart still is telling us it is wrong. It's the guilt. But we're like, it's not wrong. No, it's okay. 
but our guilt is in our hearts. This is actually our society. This is where we live today. And I think more and more the separation of how the world processes and how the church processes, that gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're, we're about, I believe, to enter in a season in our nation where what we believe is going to cause more issues and more problems than we ever thought. But I'll tell you this, I believe we are in a season that the world is looking for a people who hold the line. I believe the world, because once they live it, once they, 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 they live their life and they do what they want, they're looking for someone that doesn't compromise, that throws them their lives at the mercy of Jesus Christ. That's someone who can say, listen, if these are, this is the truth, if you'll follow this, you will find life. Why? Because follow me, I'll show you what a life looks like of following Jesus. They're looking for examples. And if we want to have a greater impact on the world, we're, we better look different than the world. Why would the world join a church that looks like the world? Because the church wants to sometimes be in both places at once. I'm not trying to be harsh this morning. It's just reality where we live. The temptation for you and for me all the time is to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That we can, we can do what the world does, we can talk like the world talks, we can watch what the world watches, we can listen to what the world watches, but then, but, but I'm a Christian. And nothing else in our lives looks any different. And that is the guilt we carry in all of our lives. And we make compromises to deal with our guilt. It means we compromise, in other words, when we know the standard is here, Instead of us coming up to the standard, what we do is we lower the standard and we compromise or we blame others. We think we feel guilty because of what someone else has done, so we make people the enemy instead of the sin that we're choosing to do. Hey, listen, just on a side note, this is the world we live in. We need to know how to live an overcoming life, and this message is for me today as well. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to us together as a community. But here's the deal. There's only one thing that can deal with your guilt. And that's to confess it to Jesus Christ, repent, trust in his power, and move on and start making righteous decisions. That's available to all of us today. But this guilt weighs on our souls. It damages us. Another thing that damages our souls is this area of grudges in our life. These are things that have been done against you. So guilt are the things that you've done against someone else and against God. Grudges are the things that others have done against you. You're holding unforgiveness. And your soul is damaged. It's calloused. It's being beat up. And these are the things that sometimes people didn't even mean to do to you. These are the things that happened to you and it wasn't malicious against you, but you've allowed that to go in your heart and kind of set up camp and set up some concrete around your soul because it's unforgiveness. Job says this about resentment. He says to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. I've often heard of resentment as this. It's like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the other person. You just drink it, go, 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 ha, ah, and you wait for them to die. It kills you. It damages your soul. Job 18 also says this, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. 
The third thing that can really wear and damage your soul is about how we think, how we feel, and how, what our choices are is this area of grief. Grief comes mostly through a change in our lives, and, you know, that's what life is. It's life, it's, it's full of changes. Things we want, things we don't want. Change equals loss, loss equals pain, pain equals confusion. This grief, one word describes these four words of change, loss, pain, and confusion, and that's grief. Now, guilt is bad and grudges are a bad thing, but grief is actually not bad. It's actually normal. It's good because we're processing change in our life. We're processing disappointment. We're, we, are, we are grieving. We are mourning. We are walking through some things. But if we don't process it properly, it can damage our souls in a very deep way. If we grieve properly, though, it can strengthen our souls. David actually experienced grief as well in Psalm 31. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in distress. Now listen to what, you tell me, does this not describe grief? Tears blur my eyes, my body and my soul are withering away. This is grief. So how does the work and the resurrection of Jesus help our damaged souls? How does Jesus restore your souls? And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to see what happens if you were to put your trust in him. The good shepherd. The shepherd of your soul. The shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't use the sheep. He doesn't exploit the sheep. He doesn't humiliate the sheep. He loves them. He protects them. He watches over you. And Jesus can restore your soul today because he's made the way. He's already been there. So I'm going to look at three things on how do we deal with a damaged soul and what can we take away. That how did or does Jesus restore your soul? The first one, I want to look at this issue of guilt. And I think Jesus restores your soul as we're looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ through this simple statement that Jesus took my sins upon himself. This is the best news in the whole world. There's no hope until you understand this. Nothing in this world can do anything for you until you understand this statement right here. This is what's called the gospel. This is what's called the good news. But the gospel is not a one-time shot in our lives. It's, it's every day of our lives we run back to Jesus. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need the resurrection power in my life. I do this every day of my life. Your soul cannot become better. You cannot become whole. Your mind cannot become whole. Your emotions cannot become whole. And you can never be whole without the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life and understanding that he's the one that took your sin. The, the guilt in which you're feeling, he has paid the price for that sin. He became and he took everything that you are so that you, after your belief in him, can become everything that he is. 700 years actually before Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. 700 years. That's 2,700 years ago. But 700 years before Jesus laid down his life for us, there was a prophet, Isaiah, who wrote about what Jesus would be doing for you and me. 
And he says this in Isaiah 53, which is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. He says this, but he, speaking of Jesus, was pierced for our rebellion. Now remember, 700 years before Jesus was crucified. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Do do, do you see what's happening here? All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. If I was to ask everyone in this room, who here is strayed away from God in your life? Every single one of us, if we were honest, would raise our hands. Everyone, we have left God's path to follow our own. But listen, yet, still knowing that about you and me, the Lord, the Father, laid on Jesus the sins of us all. This is the basic, the most basic fundamental truth of the Bible. Without this, nothing matters. Every mistake, I want you to hear this today, every mistake you ever did that was contrary to God's law, every sinful choice you made, every sinful choice you were going to make, listen to this, has already been paid for. You just have to accept God's grace and step out of that guilt and begin to walk in forgiveness. My friends, that is good news, isn't it? Come on, let's, let's, let's give God a hand clap for that's good news. All the other false religions in the world, in order to please God, in order to get into heaven, they slide you across the table a to-do list. You got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You never know where you stand with God. You never know if he really loves you. You never know if, if, if you're going to make it or not make it. It's, you could sum up all of those religions with one, with one word, do. But there's only one true religion, one true path to God, and that is Christianity, that you can sum up that whole Christianity with this one word, it's done. That's it. It's already done. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It's already been paid for. Man, we as humans, especially Americans, we, we want to pay for something. Well, no, no, I, no I, I'll pay. What can I do so that it's already paid for? You just have to accept it by faith and walk in it. God coming into your life will bring change. You accepting God. Will bring change. You, you don't have to beg God. You don't have to bargain with God. You ever bargained with God? Lord, um, if I do this, will you do that? You ever tried to bribe God? You know, I'm just going to kick in an extra hundred. Okay, God? Wink, wink. You know what I need. But we just, we don't have to do that. We just have to accept and walk in our lives. Jesus took your sins so that you don't have to carry the weight of your sins. And you can get out of your sinful life. You might be here today and say, Jason, I, I, I don't know. I'm so entrenched into the sinful life. I, I've, I have compromised. I've just lowered my standard because I can't deal with the reality of, of my sin. So I just lowered the standard to say it's not a sin. But you know deep in your heart that God has a better plan for you. You know in your heart that God gave his grace to you, not so that you can stay in your sin, so that you can have the power to get out of your sin. That's what grace is about. 
You can't get out on your own. But the grace of God through his power and his love and his, and, and his, his resurrection power in your life, he can help you get out. Jesus on the cross said, it's finished. He didn't say, I was finished. He didn't say, he, didn't, he never said, it is finished and so am I. He said, it is finished. The work of the cross is finished because he died and rose again. Because his work in our lives will continue until we step into the grave and graduate into eternity. Isaiah 53 says this. He was beaten down and punished. But he didn't say a word. He was like a lamb being led to be killed. He was quiet as a sheep is quiet while its wool is being cut. He never opened his mouth. Men took him away roughly and unfairly. He died without children to continue his family. He was put to death. He was punished for the sins of my people. He was buried with wicked men. And he died with the rich. He had done nothing wrong. He had never lied, but it was the Lord who decided to crush him and make him suffer. The Lord made his life a penalty offering. But he, was, but he will still see his descendants and live a long life. He will complete the things the Lord wants him to do. After his soul suffers many things, he will see life and be satisfied. My good servant will make many people right with God, and he will carry away their sins. This is the work of Jesus. It's his work. So how do you respond to this in your life today, the deal with guilt? I think it's just a simple one. You just trust the good shepherd of your soul to forgive your sins. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. You won't ever fully come into the light until you're convinced that the pain of staying in the dark is worse than the fear of being into the light. Jesus wants you to come into the light because he has hope for you. You can trust the good shepherd. Romans 3.25 says this, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding of his blood. This is wonderful news to us, my friends, that when you feel guilt in your life as a follower of Jesus, you need to confess, keep your accounts short, and move on with God. The second thing that damages our souls and how do we deal with this through the work of Jesus Christ or how did he deal with it is this area of grudges. So how does Jesus help me forgive and release my grudges that put a wear and tear on on my soul and damage my soul? How does he restore my soul through his resurrection? It's very simple. Jesus turns my pain into my gain. Romans 8, 28, we all know this. The scripture says this. We know that all things, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. Please note here that this promise is not for everybody. And if you've ever noticed that before, it's a promise for those who what? Who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we, we know that not everything in our lives goes right, don't we? We all know that. Anyone can bring good out of good. That's easy. But only God, after, when you look at this passage, only God can bring good out of the bad in your life. Only God can take a situation of brokenness and bring wholeness and healing. Only God can take the ashes of your life and bring forth beauty. Only God can take an, a, an area of mourning of your life and bring forth joy. Only God can take something bad and make something good out of it. 
Only God can take your hurts and turn them into holiness. Only God can take your wounds and give you wisdom from it. Only God can take your pain and allow you to gain something from it. And you moms today, you understand this. You understand the sorrow. You understand the pain. You understand the ashes. But I'm telling you today, God wants to turn your pain and your ashes into something beautiful and powerful. And he will do it for you. And I promise you he will. This is the kind of God we serve. The good shepherd. This is the work of Jesus Christ. When people thought it was over with Jesus, guess what? It wasn't over. When you think it's over in your life, guess what? It's not over. When people thought the enemy had won, that Satan had conquered, when Satan himself thought he had conquered Jesus, guess what? The story wasn't over yet. When you think Satan has conquered your life or, or sabotaged you in some way, I'm telling you, because of the work of Jesus Christ, it's not over. You have hope still, and he will do it in your life. You might think today that whatever was done to you has derailed your life. You need to know the resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us that he will put you back on track. And he will use your pain. He will use your struggle. Whatever was done against you, he will use it to propel you to a greater place. Only God can do that. Amen. Romans 8, 28, we, we know this, we see this, but what's very important, why would God allow any of this to happen? How, why would God use all this stuff in our life? So that we would be conformed to the image of his son. Because God's concerned about our character. He uses conflict, he uses crises to develop our character. And here, here's, here's the kicker. I'll tell you something today that I don't like what I'm about to tell you. But he's more concerned about our, comf our, sorry, our character than he is about our comfort. And he will, not give your, he will not give you comfort at the expense of your character. He just won't do it. God did not cause your pain. But I promise you, he will use it for your good. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's a good shepherd of your soul. And many times we get frustrated because we want God to do things. I do too. God, I want you to do them. I want you to do something now. I want it to happen now. But let me ask you this. What would your kids be like if you gave them everything they wanted? Brats. You get a front row. Brats. For one, they wouldn't value anything. Nothing would have value. Two, they wouldn't appreciate anything or appreciate the sacrifice it, it took to give it to them. Three, they wouldn't respect you. And four, here's the big one, they'd never grow up. God wants us to grow up and be conformed into the image of his son. That is the kicker. So, why is God allowing this? And why am I going through this? And why am I feeling this pain? God will use whatever your pain to help you be conformed to the image of his son. This is a big deal. The resurrection power of Jesus is to give us the power in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our betrayal, in the midst of our disappointment to make us more like Jesus, to use your hurts to make you holy like him. 
I promise you today, what I'm sharing with you, this is the gospel. This is the truth of God's word. I would not be a good pastor to stand up here and tell you that just believe more and all this stuff is going to go away. I would be lying to you and I would not be doing my duty as the teacher of the word of God. Our pastoral staff would not be doing our duty if we just told you that everything's going to be peachy, rosy. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise all the time. I believe God's blessing. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to do far more, exceedingly, abundantly more than anything we ask or think. I believe it all. But I also know that he, his main goal is this passage right here to conform you to the image of his son. I don't always like it, <laughs> but it's still true whether I like it or not. So how can you respond to what Jesus has done in your life in these areas of grudges? One, you need to release your offense and focus on the future. Release your offense and focus on the future. You may be a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of your past. Focus on the future. So this area of grief that comes from the loss in our lives. Many different sources of loss. Loss of a loved one. Loss of a dream. Loss of expectation. Things didn't turn out the way you thought they would. Maybe it's rejection. These things wear on your soul. So how do we deal with this third area? And I believe it's this. We deal with it because we know Jesus understands your pain and heals your heart. Jesus has been where you have been. He's felt pain that you've felt. He's carried the weight of your grief that you have. And he's made a way for your healing. Remember, Jesus leads you to the place he's already gone. Isaiah 53, 3-4. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and he looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried. He did it for us. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. In other words, the sorrow. He did not have to commit adultery in order to feel what it, what it means to, to, to feel adultery. God placed upon him the guilt and sin of adultery upon Jesus. He felt the guilt of it. He carried it all. The grief and the loss of whatever it may be. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God to him. A punishment for his own sins, but his punishment was for our sins. Not only does Jesus feel, he also heals. Out of Psalm 147 says this, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Amen? Some of you have a broken soul of grief. Some of you have a broken soul because of guilt. Some of you have a broken soul because of grudges. But I want you to know today, God doesn't want your soul to stay damaged you do not have to walk through life carrying the pain of those grudges and unforgiveness. Carrying the pain of the guilt because of your decision. Or to carrying the pain of grief and of loss. He wants to help you. He has provided the way. He's already gone to the place that you want to be. He wants to lead you there. He wants to take you by the hand as a good shepherd and lead you to the place of wholeness and healing and love and life. And in the midst of your worst storm, he says, I'm here. He says, I'm here. Maybe you feel today like you've been rejected. Maybe as, as a mom you feel like you, you've just expended all of your energies. You've got nothing to give. 
the Lord wants to minister to you today. Maybe you're here today and you feel like nobody wants you. And the damaging of your soul has worn so much. It's affected the way you think. It's affected the way you, you make decisions. It's affected your emotions. Maybe you think no one notices me. Jesus understands your pain today. And he is extending his healing to you right now, today. He says, put your trust in the work that I've already paid for you. I've already paid the price. Just come to me. So how can you respond to this deep grief in your life, the, the, the burdens you're carrying, through the weight you feel? This is it, my friends. You allow Jesus to carry your load. The Bible says, First Peter, Peter is talking. He says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. In other words, he can handle it. This is this, this act of casting. you got to cast it on him. you you got you to make a, a, a choice of your will and your brokenness and damage. God, I'm casting it on you. I can't carry it anymore. It's damaging me. It's wearing me. I, I can't take the weight of it. And you got, sometimes it's so painful because you, you've tried to just keep it behind you and deny it and, and just act like it doesn't exist. He says, you cast your care upon Jesus because he's waiting for you, because he cares for you. He's not going to come and force your hands off of it. He says, come on, give it to me. And that's what Jesus is doing today. He's paid the price. He's alive. He made the sacrifice. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is here today. And he says, just give your life to me. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.